The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show and happy Thursday. Biden's Secretary of Education, the man who will lead the department's changes to Title IX, which they're trying to make right now when it comes to, among other things, transgender athletes in female sports, refuses to answer the question, what is a woman? That explains a lot about their confused policy changes. And Robert F. Kennedy Jr. announces a run for the White House as a Democrat, and the so-called tolerant left immediately goes after his wife. <laughs> Joining me now to discuss that and much more, journalist and best-selling author Alex Berenson. Alex posts his reporting to Substack on his Unreported Truths publication. Alex, welcome back to the show. Great to see you. Thanks for having me, Megan. So Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has made heads explode on the left because he got out there and said, um, you know what? You silenced me for all these years. This is what happens. Here's a taste of what he said during his announcement yesterday. Sot seven. This is what happens when you censor somebody for 18 years. I got a lot to talk about. They shouldn't have shut me up that long because now I'm going to really let loose on them for the next 18 months. They're going to hear a lot from me. This is what happens when you ban somebody from speaking out. They run for president. So I assume I'm about to get your announcement. You're you're in. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I uh, I uh, I'll let I'll let other people uh go into that uh lines then um but you and he are similarly uh, situated in that way right i mean you you were treated much as he was just as a you know a purveyor of disinformation one who cannot be heard from one who the biden white house said must be shut up yes well now i've sued uh you know i've sued joe biden i've sued uh, several officials in the white house and i've sued a couple of pfizer uh board members including yep. the uh the chairman of the company um, so we'll that. see. And by the way, the, the you know, the news of the lawsuit effectively has been censored. Uh, the the you know, the, the media will not report on it, even though, you know, it builds on my successful lawsuit against Twitter. And even though I, uh, you know, I have hard evidence presented in the suit that the White House specifically demanded in 2021 that Twitter ban me. And that, uh, you know, that a, a board member at Pfizer named Scott Gottlieb also got involved and demanded that I be banned. Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. it's really stunning 
as I wrote last week on on Unreported Truths on the Substack, if if let's say in, in 2020 the same thing had happened with Trump, because you know in 2020 I was writing a lot about school closures and writing about how the lockdowns were a mistake and uh, masks didn't work. Let's say that the Trump administration had gotten mad at me about that, and Jared Kushner had gone to uh, to Twitter and said, "Hey, you got to get this guy off. You know he's telling people not to wear masks, and that's really wrong." And then Twitter had banned me. And let's say that I figured that out and I'd gotten hard evidence and I'd sued the Trump administration. I mean, that would have been, Megan, you can imagine, it would have been a huge front page story. And there would have been talk about how Trump hates the First Amendment and this is immoral and how can we prevent a journalist from speaking? And I mean, really, it is exactly the same thing. It's just a year later and I was really talking about vaccines or not, not even, uh, I don't call the mRNA shots vaccines. They are not traditional vaccines. I was talking about the mRNA shots from Pfizer and Moderna and, you know, the White House and Pfizer went to Twitter, pushed on me or, you know, pushed them to ban me and, and ultimately Twitter did. And that story, I mean, aside from the conservative media has just been completely ignored. Mm -hmm. Well, it's crazy because this is not the only lawsuit like that now pending against the Biden administration. There's one brought by Missouri, by Louisiana against the Biden administration for doing the same. And interestingly, that one got passed motion practice and is in discovery right now. So these they've been getting really interesting documents from the Biden. That's why Fauci had to sit for a deposition in that in the context of that case which is alleging the same kind of thing. And we've had yes. some press reaction to that one, which I was looking at prior to you coming on. And I, I had to say I was you know, horrified, but also slightly bemused by it, Alex, where um, Reason did a great write-up of some of the reaction, including from the New York Times, when they saw this lawsuit followed by the AGs of Missouri and Louisiana. Uh, they point out New York Times reporter Stephen Lee Myers, quoting now from Reason's uh, two nine two three two three piece. The law. He's warning the New York Times is that the lawsuit could disrupt the Biden administration's already struggling efforts to combat disinformation. This guy Stephen Lee Myers worries that the First Amendment has become, for better or worse, a barrier to virtually any government efforts to stifle a problem that, in the case of a pandemic, threatens public health, and in the case of integrity of elections even democracy itself. You see, that pesky First Amendment is so annoying when one is trying to be a democracy. I, I mean, doesn't the New York Times get the joke here? Like, they don't exist in a country that doesn't have, a, you know, strong press freedoms and the First Amendment. It It is just bizarre to me to see journalists calling for censorship. And they've done it sort of more and more explicitly in the last couple of years. It's, it's really odd. So this I, I'm going to have to do something here that kind of makes me feel bad. Jeremy Peters of the New York Times occasionally comes on the show, and I like Jeremy, but he was part of Nerd Prom in covering the Fox Dominion lawsuit. You know, all the, yep. all the media reporters yep. went out there; they were in the offsuit. They were so excited to see Fox get its comeuppance, and then want want single tear, they settled. So <laughs> I applaud him for his honesty in admitting how important this was to him. You know, it's it, I'm sure it doesn't hold a candle to Brian Stelter's disappointment. You know, to your point, most I think most sane reporters did not love this lawsuit unless they hated Fox News. Like the First Amendment, the standards for defamation, what a journalistic <clears throat> excuse me outlet could say and could not say how, you know, about a public figure, which is something we should be protecting as journalists. We should want that to be as expansive as possible there. Everything was flipped on its head because the defendant was Fox News. So screw them. Let's see them lose. 
And here's Jeremy on The Daily, which is the New York Times podcast, talking about the day that it was becoming apparent that they were about to settle. Listen. And what are you thinking might be going on? I almost threw up. I, <laughs> I'm serious. Like I just, Why? I, well, I've spent so much time and, and mental energy on this case. And he did not want to see it go away, Alex. <laughs> it's so crazy. I, look, I, I wrote about, um, you know, uh, the, the Fox Dominion case yesterday, uh, again, on, on the Substack on Unreported Truths, which because, because look, I actually went on Fox. I was on with Tucker in November 2020 saying, look, Biden is going to be the president. And frankly, from my point of view, since I'm not a Republican, I'm a registered independent. And, you know, my main uh, interest in 2020 was not that, you know, Donald Trump get another four years when he had not won the election. It was that um, it was that that we get past COVID, right, that we that we end the school lockdowns and that we end the mask requirements and that, you know, we 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 never have an idea of another national lockdown, which the Biden administration was sort of hinting at, you know, before they took office, although thankfully they never did that. And so I said, I said on the show, I said, look, the Republicans have to make a decision here. Are they going to fight for Donald Trump and get latched to him even more? Or are they going to fight COVID restrictions? And ultimately, I mean, you know, again, I'm not a Republican, so it was easy for me to say that. But the base demanded that, you know, that that Trump, that it become that it be about Trump. And I think that was bad for the country. And I think January 6th was terrible for the country. Um, so all that's true. OK, you can know that and still be disgusted by the press response to Dominion v. Fox for a couple of reasons. I mean, you mentioned one of the reasons. Another reason, though, I, it goes even further than that. Fox essentially got in trouble, not for statements that they were making, but for statements that their guests were making. And that is a really, really huge expansion of libel law. And it's going to make it hard. I mean, it's going to mean that it, it, these places aren't going to want to quote anybody with a controversial opinion. If just quoting somebody or allowing them to use your airwaves can get you in trouble for a defamation suit, how can you ever have a debate where there's two sides and one side might be saying things that, you know, a lot of people don't like? So I, I thought that was crazy. I thought the fact, I mean, I, I think Fox essentially was, a, was forced to settle because the documents look so terrible, but they settled for far more than that suit would have been worth in a, in a real economic way. I mean, how can Dominion have said they, they lost a billion dollars? Like, where, where no, are the losses, right? They did, didn't. Did they, did they lose any contracts as a result of this? So no, Fox, they didn't. It was, know, they were baking in punitive damages into that it, settlement it, and it, the it, price to keep exactly. Rupert and the top talent off the stand. Exactly. So this, so this is a, this is, but. That means the combination of the expansion of defamation law and the giant settlement puts a target, I think, on every news organization. Yeah. And yeah, maybe the Times thinks they're they're not going to get in trouble here, but somebody's going to sue them in, you know, southern Mississippi and, you know, and, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I agree. It's as a journalist, you should not be rooting for this case to go anywhere, really. I mean, I tried to cover it openly and fairly, but it's it's tough to root for Dominion to get a huge judgment against a journalistic outfit for covering claims being made by the president of the United States and his lawyers. And I realized right. there were extraordinary circumstances here. I will say this. This is like all my friends. I, I like Jake Tapper as well. But he also had this sort of you know, strong reaction to the to the uh, settlement. And to me, it's just indicative of these other news organizations, whether it's The Times, 
MSNBC or CNN playing a little too holier than thou (laughs) when it comes to journalistic integrity, which I grant you, Fox was not the example of in covering (laughs) the Sidney Powell stuff. But, you know, look at how the others pretend they've never uh, screwed up massively and repeatedly and on huge national stories. Here's a bit of um, Tapper. And is this where he reads to himself or is this where he's interviewing the Dominion lawyer? He's reading the Fox News statement after the verdict. Here it is. Fox trying to put a positive face on what can only be interpreted as one of the ugliest and most embarrassing moments in the history of journalism. Fox uh, issued a statement saying, quote, we are pleased to have reached a settlement of our dispute. Dispute. The settlement reflects. I'm sorry, this is going to be difficult to say with a straight face. This settlement reflects Fox's continued commitment to the highest journalistic standards. We are hopeful that our Sorry. Wow. What do you make of that? I mean, he's not even pretending, is he? It's well, look, if you're CNN, you know, you've been sucking Fox's exhaust now for 20 plus years. uh, And so this probably feels pretty good if you're Jake Tapper. I mean, what is Tucker's audience? Ten times Tappers? I mean, you know, it's a so is mine. (laughs) There you go. Right. I mean, so. So CNN hasn't had a lot of good news uh, on the business front or, or, you know, in the last few years. Uh, And so this is this is exciting for them. Um, But, you know, I will again, it's bigger than look, Fox screwed up. And the way these stories were written was, well, Fox screwed up because it was serving its audience. Right. It didn't want to say no to its audience. And the point I made yesterday in 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 the on the Substack was substitute New York Times for Fox and mRNA vaccines for 2020 election. And you have exactly the same thing. You have a news organization that will not challenge the preconceptions of its viewers. And this is something I think people don't understand that as the business of journalism has moved from ad supported to subscriber supported, this has actually gotten much worse because the times used to be, you know, Bloomingdale's and Tiffany and, you know, whoever, paid most of the bills. They were most of the revenues. And they, you know, Arthur Salzberger could say to Bloomingdale, I mean, Bloomingdale's never told the New York Times what to write. We wrote what we wanted. Now it's the subscribers who pay the bills and the subscribers are all hard left. And the Times knows it very well. And so it is very hard for the Times to aggressively challenge the political predilections of 95 or 98 percent of its readers. And you see it even they don't even like the fact that, you know, Brett Stevens is allowed to have an opinion column. So so it's exactly the same dynamic that got Fox in trouble at play at The New York Times. It's just the Times uh, or or because of the lawsuit, we got access to what the Fox people were saying, which is we don't really want to challenge our audience. And, And I don't I mean, like to me, I understand there were doubts expressed at the highest levels at Fox about the Sidney Powell claims and so on. Is it better? If the internal emails at a place like CNN all show, get on the knee to King Fauci. Fauci's right again. Look at these terrible naysaying doubters like Alex Berenson. He, he's never coming on CNN again, this insane lunatic. And then when That's the right. facts show you were right, no acknowledgement that they suppressed truth, that they spewed lies, that actually did endanger people's lives. You know, unlike, oh, did Sidney Powell tell the truth or not? Right. 
and, and th- there's n- there's no acknowledgement. I'm just saying, not saying Jake Tapper did that, but his network certainly did. So you know, you have to be really careful when you cast these stones. Yep. No, it's it, it, it's and and you know, look, this is still happening. Okay, the, the mRNA vaccines are effectively you know not being used anymore, right? I mean, yeah. almost. I mean, basically, the whole world has walked away from them. But look at the death data. Okay, last week. Uh, England's England's mortality. This was the numbers reported last week, so I guess it was uh, ten days before that. So we're we're going back to sort of the end of March. But the, this the most recent week of data, uh, or the the most recent sort of non-holiday week of data available. Deaths in England were twenty percent above normal. Okay, mm-hmm. when that happened in twenty twenty because of COVID, we shut down the world. And now there's not even an acknowledgement that this is happening. And it's not one week in the UK. It's happening all over Western Europe. It's happening in East Asia. All the countries that use these vaccines are having really bad ongoing mortality numbers. And no one, forget solving, figuring out what's happening. No one is even covering this. Well, and right. And we don't know what the causation is. It could be related to deaths of despair and the wake of the pandemic and all that. But it is disturbing how there isn't the desire to do an in-depth study to figure out. That's what makes me so, so upset about the vaccine and so relieved I didn't give it to my kids. Um, It's just I why can't we take an honest look at what, if any, damage was caused by them? Because maybe these same brilliant minds that came up with the vaccine in the first place could come up with a cure for the people who actually were vaccine injured. Well, yes. I mean, at the least, we should be talking about, you know, is this, you know, what's really happening with the death numbers? What are these sort of, there's, you know, there's been a couple of disturbing studies showing long-term changes in your immune response to COVID post-vaccination that don't occur when you're naturally infected and recovered. There's stuff that we, if we were serious without panicking, and, I, and I'm not one of these people who says, you know, people are dying in the street. I mean, it's clearly not true. Or, you know, in five years, you know, it's all going to, you know, it's all going to be awful and it's going to be zombies roaming the globe. I mean, that forget that stuff. There is real, there are real scientific questions that should be being pursued at sort of high levels by the NIH that the FDA and the CDC should be pushing the vaccine companies to try to answer. And because everyone is so scared of what the answers might be, they won't even ask the questions. You raised a point, I think it was on your Substack the other day about how the times though you know, and its experts seem to be coming to grips with reality when it comes to these vaccines. The the worst COVID reporter in America. This uh, <laughs> what's her name? Um, uh, Apor- Aporva, yes. Aporva Mandavelli, right? I don't know she, if she's uh, the worst. It's it's heavy competition, but she's up there. <laughs> she's terrible. She's the one who said some nearly nine hundred thousand kids had been hospitalized due to COVID, yes. which was an overstatement yes. by like it was like sixty five thousand. Um, and then they kept letting her letting her report like she continued yes. to report. She completely downplayed the the study that showed that there were potential uh, downsides for 65 and older when it came to stroke. Yep. Um, she said, oh, they're all clear. No problems whatsoever with these boosters. When even other honest news organizations are like, oh, the, the latest study shows it could increase the risk of stroke for seniors. Yep. Anyway, she, you point out, went around to some experts and even her favorite experts who were like, booster, 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 finally said. No, don't do it. I mean, it's a great point, Megan. I, you know, so I can't remember when the story was. It was maybe two, three weeks ago. But, but uh, so the most striking person in that in in that story, which again, yeah, which I wrote about in the stack because I was so stunned to see the quote in the New York Times, is a doctor named Paul Offit. Now, Offit is very pro-vaccine. 
Um, you know, I think he actually has a patent on not on a COVID vaccine, but on maybe a rotavirus vaccine. He's always, you know, he's always been quoted as being very, you know, I don't like vaccine skepticism. It's dangerous. You know, he's 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 a he's a vaccine advocate to start to finish. And in 2021, he said, and just to, this is from your piece, just to interrupt and give you back what you wrote. <laughs> you pointed out that in t- April 2021, he wrote, I don't think you could have devised a vaccine that appears to be more perfect. That's right. I mean, that's funny. That's two years ago. But I mean, not not 20 years ago, two years ago, he, he's quoted saying that. Well, what does he tell Aporva? He says, no one, not young people not immunocompromised people, not old people. No one should get more boosters with the data we now have. I mean, that is a stunning repudiation because, mm-hmm. I mean, that goes further actually than even a lot. I think, you know, a lot of people who have questions about the vaccines would go. I mean, people, a lot of people would still say, well, maybe if you're, you know, 80 years old, it can't hurt to have a booster. I mean, uh, Offit, Offit said nobody. He said, we just don't have data right now showing that. It's pretty... That's pretty striking, considering what he said two years ago. Yeah. He said, given the lack of data, I don't think it's fair to say to people, inject yourself with a biological agent. Biological agent. He wasn't calling them that two years ago. No, that's right. But again, there'll be no accountability for the universal cheerleading we got from people like Apoorva and the experts she cites in here uh, and no, you know, true coming to Jesus over what they did to people like you who were raising doubts at the time saying, here's what I'm seeing. I, you know, it, you were shut down. That's why you're yep. suing. And it'll be really interesting to see what you get in that lawsuit. We definitely will be following it. Um, getting back to RFK, I do think it's interesting that not only does he get attacked, of course, every single headline about JFK, RFK Jr. is um, anti-vaccine, anti-vaxxer, anti-vaxxer. You cannot mention RFK Jr. without saying that, apparently. But now they're turning on his wife, Cheryl Hines, Cheryl. the actress yep. who stars in Curb Your Enthusiasm. She used to be funny. She's not now. I mean, they're just so nasty, Alex. I guess you're familiar with this to some extent, but I have to say I was slightly taken aback. Did they not know that these two were married? No, I mean, this has come up before, but it's gotten it's gotten worse. And it's like they want her to repudiate him publicly. It's almost like they want her to divorce him. It's right. It's, I mean, a you know, she's not responsible for for what he says. All and she did B, was introduce like, him, by the way. She just introduced him. Right. Like, who are you to? Like, I mean, it's just I mean, it's guilt by association. Right. It's it, you know, it's like it's like. I mean, I you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything too inflammatory, but but guilt by association is a classic tactic of you know, the Soviet regime, other you know, communist and fascist regimes, and and by the way, it's you know, it's it's happened to me, like it's you know, I, I, it's funny, like I mean, funny is the wrong word, but you know, I people who I respect actually and would like to have conversations with are afraid and know that I'm serious, like, and know that I know what I'm talking about, are afraid if they talk too much to me publicly, uh, you know, they're going to get, they're going to get smeared for it. It's, it's really a stunning. Even now, even that you've been validated in so many of your criticisms. Yes. Even now. I mean, you haven't seen me on CNN or MSNBC. You haven't seen me quoted in the New York Times. You haven't seen this lawsuit quoted. I, I, Megan, look, for better or worse, I'm the only person ever, as far as I know, to have, to have been reinstated by a social media company following a lawsuit over a ban. Okay. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, I said this a couple of days ago, 
that's a news story, right? When, when something's only happened once, it's a news story when it happens. And honestly, if you run Twitter or you run Facebook, my case is important to you because it tells you, you know, uh, don't have conversations with a, with, with a user outside the normal channels about what we are going to allow or not allow because those could later come back to hurt you. So I can guarantee you my lawsuit and its resolution have actually like made a made a difference to the business practices of these companies. It won't even be discussed on that level. These these places, I mean, I'm still, I mean, I, I'm still blacklisted. I'm still canceled essentially. Fortunately, I have a really big Substack, which they can't touch. Um, Substack has been, you know, very supportive of free speech. And I have a, you know, a good Twitter platform and whatever the weirdness is happening on Twitter, I can still post and, you know, people will see it. Yes, of course. Thank goodness. And it'll be interesting because it's true that the government cannot do through social media companies what it cannot do directly. It is not allowed to suppress what a citizen's viewpoint because it doesn't like the content of the viewpoint that that is the First Amendment. So it can't get around that prohibition by using Facebook to do it, by by pressuring Twitter to do it. That's the essence of your lawsuit, of the of the um, Missouri lawsuit and the, and the Louisiana lawsuit and so on. So they're really going to have to deal with the amount of strong arming they did of big tech. And I know their defenders are saying, well, they, they never had to punish big tech. They never actually did hurt big tech for not complying with their demands. And you have an answer to that, too. Yes. I mean, so. So what's very interesting about my suit and and this and this is it's not it's I think I think we have a really good case even so in April 2021 Slavitt Andrew Slavitt at the White House clearly you know he he the the words in the Twitter uh you know uh, internal files are asked a really tough question about why I was still allowed on the platform so to me, that you know, that's a really tough question. In the way when a cop says, "Can you get out of your car, sir?" Um, mm. You know, that's a that's that's not really a question, right? It's mm. a it's a demand in the form of a question. Now, Twitter amazingly didn't bite and didn't actually ban me for several months. It took months more pressure, but but my case um, draws on a case called Knight Institute v. Trump. Okay, in 2017. Donald Trump banned some people from commenting on his or following him on Twitter. And they sued. And the Second Circuit, which is where I've sued in New York City, said that's not okay because his Twitter page is a public forum. Even though Twitter is a private company, his page is a public forum. So my claim is that in pushing Twitter to ban me, even if they didn't immediately succeed, they were trying to prevent me from commenting on their pages, on Andy Slavitt's page, on Joe Biden's page, on Vivek Wait, Murthy's and Alex, page. You also yes. point out that they did this to you. They, the, the pressure to get you banned was ramped up right at a specific time during the pandemic That's and the vaccine rollout that you say was not right. coincidental. That's correct. So so but but so my my argument is. You can't prevent me or you can't even try to prevent me from commenting on your Twitter pages, just as Donald Trump couldn't do that. And the, the analogy, I think people people will get this. Let's say Joe Biden had a press conference and it wasn't at the White House. Let's say it was at a hotel and and I and I was going to come in and ask questions. I had my credential. I was going to come in and ask questions. And they didn't want me to do that. And they said to the hotel, hey, guys. We'd really like it if you didn't let Alex Berenson come into this press conference. And by the way, 
you may remember we're the federal government and we do $100 million of business with you every year. Well, even if the hotel stood up and said, you know what, he's got a press pass, we're letting him in, their effort to ban me in and of itself is a First Amendment violation. So that that is the sort of, that's like, that to me is something that everybody can get that analogy. But the other piece of it is they they didn't have to hurt Twitter or Facebook or YouTube because they complied. <laughs> you know, That's the bans right. ultimately, were put ultimately in place. Ultimately, they did comply, yes. So it's like, well, that, that doesn't help the government on its First Amendment uh, defense. They they put the pressure on. The me- the big social media companies complied. People like you had their voices silenced silenced and the american public were hurt as a result not that that's a required element you were hurt that's enough so we'll yeah. see uh i like the fact that this has gone gone so far in the in the state ag's case i like that for you yep. and i think it's really interesting i mean the, the fact that fauci had to sit for a deposition bodes well for you and others who are bringing similar claims man oh man yes. can you imagine having access to him for tough questioning <laughs> like you sitting next to the lawyer funneling in the questions <laughs> Or, but Pfizer too, right? That's the other part of this is, yeah. you know, so, so Albert Borla, the CEO of Pfizer, Scott Gottlieb, board member of Pfizer, if the lawsuit survives the motion to dismiss, we're going to be able to ask Pfizer about its communications with the federal government. And to me, and frankly, what they knew in 2021. And, in and the you can get it Pfizer potentially, because this that's, isn't that's uh, right. about a vaccine injury. They've been immunized that's against- right. Legally immunized against those lawsuits by law, but yep. this is a different story. Yep, very. And, and so, and so, yeah. In a way, it's the only possible way anyone's going to be able to ask Pfizer these questions. And so, I really do hope we survive this motion. To I mean, they haven't filed it yet, but I, I, you know, coming. you can just about guarantee they're going to try to get this dismissed. Yeah, for sure. All right. We have much more to get to, including the secretary of education not being able to define what a woman is. Uh, we'll get to that. And then this MSNBC anchor tries to take down Matt Taibbi. And then another lefty reporter steps in to humiliate the guy from MSNBC. We'll walk you through it. Attention. If you owe the IRS, this is an important announcement. COVID relief is over and the IRS is ramping up like never before, sending out millions of collection letters to start 2024. Do you owe $10,000 or more or have unfiled returns? Now is the time to act. The IRS can garnish your wages, seize your property, and they can even take your home or your business. Don't let the IRS take advantage of you. It's time to call Tax Network USA. Their team of experienced tax lawyers has already saved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients. They know how to negotiate with the IRS and can help you, too. Visit TNUSA.com or call 1-800-245-6000. Again, that's 1-800-245-6000. Don't wait until it's too late. Take control of your tax situation today with Tax Network USA. 1-800-245-6000. Call now. You're cruising down the highway, windows rolled down, tunes blasting from the radio. You're in the zone and living the dream. Suddenly, your car sputters, coughs, and throws a wrench in your whole day. Tow trucks, repair bills, the dream turns into a nightmare. Don't wait until car trouble steals your peace of mind. Visit CarShield now at carshield.com carlson. For nearly 20 years, CarShield has helped millions of drivers avoid the stress of major repairs. They offer plans covering up to 5,000 parts and systems from your engine and transmission to electronics and more. 
all for a low monthly rate that fits your budget. CarShield plans also include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, and rental options. Get peace of mind now. Visit CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Join millions of customers and contact CarShield now to save 20%. Visit carshield.com slash carlson. That's carshield.com slash carlson. Visit now. I just wanted to finish making one point I raised during our last discussion, which was it was July of 2021, you write, that they were beginning to realize within the Biden administration and Pfizer that the mRNA vaccines were losing their efficacy against infection far faster than they had expected. July of 2021. And it was July of 2021 that the White House publicly demanded social media companies take aggressive action against vaccine skeptics. So the push to get you and others silenced ASAP around that time was not accidental. You alleged that they knew they knew problems with the vaccine were going to be recognized and come out publicly. And so it was more urgent than ever that the loudest vaccine skeptics be silenced. I mean, that's how just sick this what they did was according to your lawsuit and that of others so just to wrap that up okay let's uh let's talk about the secretary of education who does not understand what a woman is uh takes after katanji brown jackson a sitting supreme court justice who refused to say what a woman was because she's quote not a biologist um he was asked explicitly i don't know do we have this soundbite um to define a woman uh and here's how miguel Cardona answered. So can you please tell me or can you please define for me what is a woman? Uh, Our focus at the department is to provide equal access to students, including students who are uh, LGBTQ, uh, access free from discrimination. Is that so what's the what's the definition of a woman? You haven't given me that. You haven't answered my question. I think that's almost secondary to the important role that I have as secretary of education. My question is not secondary. My question is very simple. What is the def? What does HHS say the definition of a woman is? Uh, I lead the Department of Education and my job is to make sure that all students have access to public education. So this guy right now is trying to change women's rights under Title IX. He's this man is trying to change our rights under Title IX and cannot even define what we are. This is I mean, I haven't gotten too involved in, you know, in in writing about trans issues. I I figure I have enough people who hate me as it is. I did write last week about uh, Dylan Mulvaney. Um, uh, there's something bizarre happening, right? I mean, it's bizarre legally, it's bizarre societally, it's bizarre medically. Um, uh, you know, it, this is not that complicated, right? You know, human biology, uh, chromosomes, uh, gender, like these things are the, obviously, you know, there's always, there, look, there's, there's a, you know, very, very tiny number of people who are born with, you know, strange, uh, you know, genetic abnormalities. But, but as a rule, this is pretty straightforward stuff. And and the effort to try to tell people it's not, I think, is 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 increasingly infuriating a lot of a lot of centrist Americans. And 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 frankly, it's infuriating a lot of women. I mean, look, I'm I'm like to some extent, I'm sort of irrelevant in this discussion, right? I'm never gonna compete in a woman's uh, you know, track meet. I'm never, I'm never gonna go into a woman's bathroom. Like but but I understand why this is so incredibly infuriating to to women, real women, biological women who've grown up, you know, 
who 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 know that you know if a if a guy enters the 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 track meet that that they're that they're now competing for second place and who know that there's a physical risk to them when they're on the street that men are bigger and stronger than they are and that that's just the biological reality and to pretend it isn't and to pretend that a man can become a woman just by saying so or vice versa is is completely untrue and 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 you know one of the things that I that I wrote about in this in this piece about Mulvaney is that one of the one of the things that I think doesn't get you know really discussed even it's sort of an open secret is that these surgeries these sexual reassignment surgeries don't really work very well for for a lot of people no. right there there's right. high rates of complication I mean it's it's hard to make a penis out of a vagina or a vagina out of a penis it doesn't work very well so so this isn't really about turning you into the opposite sex. That's that's impossible. impossible. It's about something else. Um, Kelly J. Keene was on the show last week, Posey Parker, uh, who's been an activist on this for a while, and she's amazing. She's so smart. And she she puts everything in very simple terms. It was like, yes, why can't we just say that? And she just says, you know, I asked her, what is a woman? She said, adult human female. So simple. Yes, exactly. I, adult human female. That works. Why is it so hard? I, why can't the Supreme Court justice say it? Who actually is a woman? Why can't the secretary of education who's right now trying to change women's rights when it comes to sport, when it comes to sexual harassment on campus, why can't he define it? If if we just covered yesterday the case of a sorority, Kappa Kappa Gamma out in Wyoming, that's getting sued by seven of its members because they forced these girls to allow in a transgender girl who is like leering at the women, according to the lawsuit and jerking off while watching them I and mean, absolutely disgusting stuff. Right. So they filed a lawsuit. So why? like. If you don't understand what a woman is when you're the person who's going to be changing the standards for resolving sexual harassment standards on college campuses, you're the guy you need to educate yourself, because if you're going to tell me that the male who was jerking off to the women dressed in a wig is the same thing as the women he was harassing, well, how are your standards going to apply? You're going to need to revise them yet again, sir. These are actually not that tricky issues. They're actually very simple. And if you would just resort to biology, they'd be simple to you too. Let's talk about That's the Dylan right. Mulvaney thing. So Dylan Mulvaney, yes. um, you know, Dylan Mulvaney wanted to be a star. That's pretty clear from Dylan's behavior as while living as a biological male. And now, uh, since Dylan's only been a pretend woman for a year, Dylan is getting mocked in some corners, predictably. That happens to any public figure and certainly one who's been as offensive as Dylan has, in my view, to women. And um, there is some commentator online who occasionally, I mean, they've put like a few, a few videos out pretending to be Dylan uh, and, you know, in this exaggerated, non-complimentary way. Can you just look at this? Look at the, the, the impersonator and then look at how Dylan responds. Hey guys, it's day four of being a girl. Hello. First of all, I would never open my video saying, hey guys, I know that this is what you want. You want me to respond. You want me to react. You want attention. Um, and I've seen your videos for a few weeks, if not months now. Um, I didn't have time to respond to those. I was really busy, you know, auditioning to be in movies. And now I, I should just walked as a model in New York Fashion Week on a runway. So sorry I didn't get to you sooner. You're doing all those things to mock me. Um, more specifically, you just kind of, I think, hate trans people. I'm very glad that you're doing it to me and not to another trans person because I'm okay right now. I really, my life is going very well. Um, I feel 
pretty happy, but if you had made this video while I was maybe depressed or God forbid suicidal, that could be really effed up. And I, that would be on you. That would be evil of you. It is evil. I'm a woman and I'm not going to say I'm more of a woman than you are. I know that that would make you scoff, but because I, I see us as equals. Okay. Oh. <laughs> You're sighing. I just look, I, I, it's like, again, I just kind of feel like in some ways women are going to have to deal with this. Like, I, it's, 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 incre I mean, as a man, it, it, it just, it seems incredibly offensive to me, but, uh, but, you know, I, look, I, I do think women are speaking out now, which is a good thing. Yeah, they are. It, uh, to me, it was so telling that Dylan's saying, I'm about to go walk in New York's fashion week. This is what Dylan has been after you know, celebrity, these endorsements that Dylan is getting fame. And what is he using to, to get there? Us, us, you know, pr pretending to be one of us. And then with a wink and a nod, I'm not going to say we're not equal. We're equal as humans, but we're not equal as women. Cause you're not one, only one of us is, and it's not you. Yeah. You know, I, I will say also, you know, look, this issue, I, Everybody knows what a man is and what a woman is. And people were, I, I, not everybody, but I'll speak for myself. I was happy enough if if a trans person wanted to say, you know, I, my pronouns are, you know, she or, you know, uh, or whatever you want, you know, wear what you want. If you want to have this crazy surgeries and, and, you know, have your, you know, your, your penis removed and replaced with this this thing that's that goes nowhere that you call vagina whatever you live your life like uh, that's this is the united states i mean I, I i know there may be people who have religious or moral objections to it i don't okay it's a free country but but and i think a lot of the country felt that way until about three years ago this issue is yeah. being forced on us on people who would rather just not worry about what you know a few thousand or tens of thousands of people uh you know want to do or you know maybe now it's hundreds of thousands i don't know if if you want to do this do it but 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 don't make us and we'll pretend if you want us to pretend that you're a woman or you're a man we'll pretend we can all just we can all just go on with it but if you're going to make it a political issue and insist on again competing against women or using the wrong bathroom or whatever it is at that point it's 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 something where I have to tell you what I really think, which I'd rather That's actually exactly not right. do because because it, it might exactly hurt your feelings. Right. You, it, it's it's gone so far beyond hurting feelings now. The, the, well said. I mean, I'll give you just one example. I I just retweeted this on my Twitter feed. This is I, I usually don't take a one off and tweet it out because you know it's like there's freaks in every freak women, freak men, freak whatever. You know, they're, we're everywhere. However. This is becoming a theme now, these threatening TikTok videos that certain trans people are putting out. And I'll just give you an example of the latest. I dare you to try and stop me from going into a women's bathroom. It will be the last mistake you ever make. I dare you to try and stop a transgender woman in my presence from using the bathroom. It will be the last mistake you ever make. This is a call to action and a call to arms. You need to arm up, plain and simple. Go out, buy a gun, learn how to use it efficiently. Look at this lunatic, this 
man yeah, trying to wear man hair I mean, and claim that he has a right to go into our spaces. So if he wants to go in there with my now 12 year old daughter and I say, sir, no, he's going to shoot me. That's what we're up against now. Yeah, apparently so. I mean, by the way, has the manifesto uh, from the from the shooting no. in Tennessee been released? No, it hasn't been released. It probably never no. will be, right? Uh, you know, I, I think there is a you know there is a public safety issue here in terms of testosterone is a really powerful hormone. Estrogen; these are powerful hormones. Sex hormones are powerful hormones, and to hand them out to disturb teenagers, um, you know, is probably not the best idea. It, uh, again, like. The idea that that the trans that changing your sex is a mental health treatment is 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 crazy, right? Yeah. So you yes. you, it, it, you should have a clear understanding. I mean, you should have a psychiatrist diagnosis that you are not mentally ill, that you're you know that you're not depressed, that your desire to change genders is somehow independent of any kind of mental illness. That's so before true. before you're certainly before you're going to get these hormones. I mean, I, I think that should just be I, I, I think that just makes sense medically, legally, from a public health, you know, and public safety point of view. And yet, like, uh, you know, we're way past that. You know, you can it seems like in many of these clinics, you can go in, have a 10 minute consultation, say you're depressed and walk out with the, you know, the beginnings of of reassignment. We had a detransitioner on the show ju just last week saying uh, she got her cross-gender hormones from Planned Parenthood after just done nothing. And she was suffering from having been sexually assaulted. She had an eating disorder. And of course, since the default is affirm, 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 they don't care about any of that stuff. It's it's exactly the opposite of what you're saying it should be. They, they're not interested in probing other trauma that may be causing these feelings. Just the, all that matters is that the feelings exist. You get affirmed, you cross over. Uh, and by the way, I should yeah. tell the audience, Alex has done a ton of reporting on cannabis and he, he's done a lot of work on mind altering drugs and how they can really affect behavior. So you know of what you speak. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the another analogy, you know, suppose people with eating disorders said, you know, I, I just really need to be 70 pounds like I, and, 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 and I need, you know, I weigh 110 pounds now. It's not enough. I need surgery. I need lap band surgery. You know, and, and and then I'll be happy. That's that's my that's my goal. That's how I see myself. I mean, a surgeon who did that, uh, you know, to a to a depressed seventeen year old girl would be sent to prison, right? Yeah. I mean, these are these are very serious surgeries. In the case, you know, in the case of in the case of the trans surgeries, you know, some of the stuff they do cannot really be reversed in a in a meaningful way mm -hmm. obviously you know you cut somebody's breasts off and or, or you know or their penis off and they can't that can't be reversed really and so the idea that any of this stuff is happening to anybody i would say you know under the age of 18 21 might make more sense who doesn't have a demonstrated long-term history that this is what they want i i don't think that's unreasonable i think i think the medical society should should be stepping in here it's so infuriating. I think about last time I was at Broadway and they had the sign on the door, use whatever bathroom is consistent with your gender identity. And I'm going to have to face that guy, that this obvious man who's going to shoot me if I say, I don't want you in here. Or I, would you please wait until my daughter's done? I'm going to get shot. That is that what it's going to take for people to start standing up for women's spaces and privacy and dignity. 
Apparently the answer is yes. And God help God help us when we get to that point. Um, okay. Lastly, we've got to talk to talk about Mehdi Hassan, MSNBC anchor, who tried to take down Matt Taibbi. And I'll show you just a little bit of it. He didn't like Matt's reportings on the Twitter files, some of which some of the Twitter file reporting outed what they did to you. Um, and Mehdi Hassan didn't like it. He's a lefty. He's on MSNBC. He hates the Twitter files. Here's what happened when Taibbi went on with him. The vampire squid was an indelible image, and it was textbook Matt Taibbi. If you were like me back then, you loved reading his blistering takedowns of America's worst villains. But if you listen to him these days, he's telling a different story. The man who used to gleefully heap abuse on the outrage industrial complex on Fox now appears regularly on that very propaganda network he once so wonderfully lampooned. So you started off as I expected with the whole what happened to you man routine. Uh, well done. But do your files provide evidence of government censorship? I don't think so. You said the EIP was founded in response to the government dropping its proposal for a disinformation government. Well, there you are. We're quoting you on screen. It wasn't. It was formed two years earlier. Uh, you suggest it was government funded, even though during the 20 election, 2020 election that you're covering, it wasn't. Uh, you say they labeled 22 million tweets as misinformation in the run up to the 2020 vote. They didn't. But you mix up CISA CISA, a Homeland Security Agency, with the Center for Internet Security, the CIS. It's just error after error, Matt, on just this one That's topic. But the other, but the other ones aren't. Uh, apparently, I've gotten like one thing wrong or a few things wrong. But mostly, I think this story, these stories are going to hold up over the test of time. Unlike your Russia so, story. By the way, Medi's attempt at a fact check fell flat because then he was fact checked and he was wrong about ninety nine percent of what he said. So it was it was a false indictment in a court of law. It would have been overruled as a fake impeachment, false impeachment. Now, it turns out, Alex, thanks to uh, Lee Fong, who used to work at The Intercept with Glenn uh, Greenwald, he did an in-depth report on Mehdi Hassan. Mehdi Hassan is a long history of being a plagiarizer. And he's got the receipts. If you look back, it's absolutely disgusting how much he copied and stole from other writers without attribution. That's who we're listening to. Yeah, I mean that's who look the standards that 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 Matt faces or that I face or you know that Abigail Schreifer is we are judged if we make one tiny factual error, um, uh, you know we are just pilloried for it. And the meanwhile, you know people like Aporva just make mistake after mistake and half the time don't even correct them. So uh, and- yeah, it's a, it's a look. I take my responsibility to be accurate and truthful very, very seriously. And that's both the journals, but it's also because I don't have the New York Times protecting me right now. If somebody mm-hmm. sues me, it's me who's going to be stuck paying it. And, you know, that's a very serious thing for an independent reporter. So so I am as serious as can be about this. And and I know Matt is, too. And, I, you know, the, the double standard here is very real. Lee Fong's reporting shows that Mehdi Hassan stole huge yep. portions of an article from U.S. News and World Report and just repurposed it as his own about spanking. It was absolutely yep. disgusting. Even on this show, if I quote another podcast, if I get an idea from another writer, I, I attribute it out of respect and professional responsibility. This is egregious. He hasn't responded. He ought to be ashamed of himself. Yeah, it was a cut and paste job. I mean, it's totally clear. Uh, yeah, He's but but dope. he but he probably won't respond. Or if he does, he'll say it was twenty years ago and he made a mistake, and no one will pay any attention to it. it right. The, the the game is rigged, and there you know, there's me. There's Would have been you, a different story, Matt. right? If he'd been at there's Fox. a few there's a few people out there who are fighting. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, I got to go, but uh, great to see you, and uh, we'll see you again soon. All right, when we come back, we're going to be joined by two Gen Z commentators with a lot of thoughts on what's happening in today's news, including uh, we'll pick back up on that Dylan Mulvaney and that lunatic soundbite I just showed you. Stand by. It's another morning, and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late. You're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield, the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems, like pricey transmission and engine repairs, and check engine light mysteries. Visit CarShield today at carshield.com carlson. Plans include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com slash carlson and save 20% today. Our next guests are helping fight the radical left takeover of Gen Z. Two outspoken and fearless commentators who are here for the first time. Isabel Brown hosts Outdated, a weekly podcast and video series highlighting the lies of modern dating and relationship culture and gender theory. She's also a Turning Point USA contributor and travels the country giving speeches to colleges from coast to coast. Will Witt is the editor-in-chief of the Florida Standard and the best-selling author of How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies, Taking on Liberal Arguments with Logic and Humor. And his new book, released in September, is Do Not Comply, Taking Power Back from America's Corrupt Elite. Isabel and Will, so great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. So let's kick it off with the tolerant left. And I'll play you that uh, little excerpt of some guy on TikTok again, pretending to be a woman and threatening us all if we try to stop him from going into a lady's restroom. Watch this. I dare you to try and stop me from going into a women's bathroom. It will be the last mistake you ever make. I dare you to try and stop a transgender woman in my presence from using the bathroom. It will be the last mistake you ever make. This is a call to action and a call to arms. You need to arm up, plain and simple. Go out, buy a gun, learn how to use it efficiently. Got it. So, Isabel, if you are walking into the restroom and you happen to see that clearly biological man trying to walk in there with you and say, excuse me, sir, you're going to get shot. He's putting it out there, making it absolutely clear. You know, Megan, they are really saying the quiet part out loud these days. This used to be a tinfoil hat conspiracy theory that the far right would talk about on the deep corners of the dark web. But ever since high school girls and minors have been sexually assaulted in public bathrooms and public schools, as we've seen in Loudoun County, and now we're hearing more and more stories about this all over the country, people really are leaning into this, that the bathroom is not just a place to relieve yourself, but is somewhat of a battleground for this alphabet mafia, as you often hear them referred to 
on TikTok. I have yet to hear until this video an actual call to arms, though. But with this year's Trans Day of Vengeance that was somewhat supported by our White House acknowledging a Trans Day of Visibility, I think we're only going to see more of this divisive, angry, and even violent rhetoric and potentially even a manifestation of that rhetoric like we just saw with Riley Gaines at San Francisco State University speaking up on behalf of biological gender and being physically assaulted and held hostage herself for doing so. Yes. And it's to the point and we discussed on the show about how a large percentage of these trans women are actually men who just get off in dressing in women's clothing. It's a sexual fetish. And yes. so said men are supposed to be able to go into our bathrooms and pull their pants down and do whatever they want. When my 12 year old daughter is in the stall next door and I'm not supposed to say anything or I could get shot or some other woman could get. Shot. I mean, this is where we are in this debate. And you know what? This makes us even for having the conversation. We're transphobes. You're exactly correct. And more than that, we are the violent domestic extremists, as our own government is pointing out. If you start to say things like biology matters when it comes to gender or even my safety should matter when I walk into a restroom, you are considered this radical domestic terrorist, while other people can go on TikTok and talk about a call to arms and even raising violence and shooting people if you don't agree with their gender identity. Could you imagine if the roles were reversed on that TikTok? Right. Right. So can I ask you before I bring in Will in, what do you what is the attitude on this issue? You know, women are finding their voices more and more on this issue. And so young people, you know, women in particular, mm -hmm. where are they on this? You know, I'm incredibly inspired and encouraged by my generation, Gen Z, on a whole host of issues. I think Americans, particularly from a right of center perspective, have discounted us and said that we are destroying America because a small percentage that is the minority is the loudest. And they're particularly the loudest on platforms like TikTok. But every single day on college campuses, on TikTok, on Instagram, or my live stream that I host across platforms, I engage with Gen Zers, even on the left, who have had enough with this violent, divisive rhetoric in our country. We're breaking free from the stereotypes that so many people associate Generation Z with, one of which being this craze of changing our gender all the time. And we're seeking truth and genuine dialogue, uh, which is why independent content creators like Will and myself really have gone above and beyond in facilitating this conversation and a change of perspective that our generation isn't exposed to on our college campuses or on our TikTok feeds unless we're willing to be there. Okay. I, I thank God for you. I really do. Because my three kids are actually at the end of your Gen Z. I mean, we, we looked it up. I guess technically it starts like around 2010 um, is like the last of, of Gen Z. So it ends around there. So my kids are in there. My daughter just said to me the other day, well, I'm Gen Z. So she's in with you. <laughs> so she needs women like you who are closer to her age to look up to, not just the old hags like mom saying all the yeah, no, don't do that. It's bad for you. <laughs> so I appreciate it, Isabel. So you will have been fighting back against this same nonsense. And in particular, one of the clips that jumped out to me, to me about you was standing up to this. Forgive me. I know I sound so old, but absolute smut that we're seeing in some libraries in public schools. I mean, that there's just like no other word for it. It's absolutely disgusting. Uh, we pulled a clip of you reading an excerpt from this book, Lucky, uh, that you found in Hillsbury County public school libraries. Here it is. Good evening, board. My name is Will Witt, and I'm here to read you an excerpt from a book called Lucky. He started humping me again wildly. The base of my spine was crushed into the ground. Glass cut me on my back and behind. 
He kneeled back. Raise your legs, he said. Spread them. He put a hand on each calf and pressed them out farther than I could hold. Keep them there. He began to knead his fist against the opening of my vagina. I want a blowjob. He held his dick in his hand. I've never done it before, I said. I'm a virgin. Put it in your mouth. I kneeled before him. Guys, seriously? Would you ever read this to your own children? No? If you wouldn't read it to your own children, then why is this in the schools? Yes, yes, Will. I, too, Thank am you. applauding you. I should have given an explicit warning uh, <laughs> on that before we played it, but good for you. So why was that important to you? How did you find the book, and how was your objection received? Well, the objection was not received very well by the board. We actually had one of the school board members fall asleep while some of us were going and talking. I think there was about 30 of us, and there was about 45 books. Each person, this was working with a group called CCDF and, and Moms for Liberty and some other just parents who were concerned in the Tampa Bay area who brought these books to the school board to read all of them out loud. And these books are just... I mean, you, re you heard what I said. I mean, it was egregious. I was embarrassed going up there, even being a 26-year-old man and having to read these things. It's, it's embarrassing for me to have to go and do that and think that children are reading these books within the schools. The left and the people who are putting these things in the schools and thinking that there's nothing wrong with it, I can't imagine that there is anything that they are doing that is not something screwed up inside their head that makes them think that this is okay for children. None of them would actually ever read this to their children, but they're so scared of going against the left and going against this new, these new tenets of a leftist religion that they are going to continue to put these things in the book and do it behind closed doors with these school board meetings and make sure that no one really knows about it. It's like so disturbing. That's so age inappropriate. I don't care if it's all the way up through high school. That's not appropriate for a school library. Um, and yet, to me, it kind of dovetails with what we're seeing in so many places in our society um, as we get rid of gender as a non thing. You know, it's like whatever biological sex is no longer a real thing. And young women are encouraged. And I know you talk about this in your podcast, Isabel, to just give it up to anybody who wants it. That's sexual liberation. Trust us. It's going to make you feel so good. Oh, OK. Read anything by Bridget Phetasy in the past two years and see how that worked out. Um, and that brings me to Sam Smith, who I find a very disturbing person. I mean, he's both disturbed and disturbing. And every concert now seems a desperate cry for help by this guy. First, he just wanted to be sort of a non-binary. He goes by they, I guess. That's one I refuse to use. I'm not using they. I don't even know if I'm using any of them anymore, but I'm definitely not using they. That one's taken. Here's just a little bit of where Sam Smith is now in his career and his performance art. For the listening audience, it's a very heavy man with man boobs and nipple covers and like the front of a thong and high boots in a devil worshiping type of performance. Yeah, let's get rid of this. We've seen this long enough. So, Will, <laughs> do you know, I, I'm not saying it's exactly the same as what you were reading inside that classroom, but it just seems like at every turn we're priming these kids for inappropriate sexuality. Oh, yeah. It's not even a question at that at this point anymore. What I seem to find is like looking at that TikTok that we watched earlier about the trans guy saying that we should get guns and then the Sam Smith thing. You have an entire generation of young people, Gen Z, and as, as well as many millennials who have a clear lack of meaning or any sort of purpose in their lives. So then what happens? You have these ideologues, these zealots who come in with this trans ideology or, or Black Lives Matter, climate change, uh, COVID ideology, whatever it is. And they take these impressionable, insecure young people who are working these nine to five jobs and 
answering emails all day with no real sense of passion or, or articulation to think of. And they give them these leftist ideas and put them inside their head and say, hey, you can have some sort of meaning in your life by attaching yourself to this trans identity. So now you have the, these numbers that are showing there's way more gay and trans kids than ever before. And it's because they are pushing it on these kids to know that they can control them because they have nothing else in their lives going on because society has essentially turned most of the American young population into the new surf class. And that's mm -hmm. incredibly sad. And so mm -hmm. unless you find the way, like I'll go to and do speeches for, I did one for this older group of people in, in Florida a little while ago. And they say, well, how do we get the young people to, to be Republican? How do we make them conservative? And I said, you can't even talk to many young people about Republican issues or, or being a conservative, low taxes, when they don't even have anything that really gives them any sense of purpose. You need to instill that inside of them. And whether that's through God or, or through some sense of you know heroism, courage that they can take a part in, you have to do that before before you start working on these issues because you're just going to continue to see a spiral and spiral downhill with this trans ideology and everything else. That's so well said. And so here's the problem. You, you got governors like DeSantis in Florida who say one thing we should do is keep inappropriate content out of the classroom, uh, in particular, while the children are young. He's taking a hit right now in, in because there's a push to expand his parental rights law beyond the mm -hmm. third grade up to 12th grade, which is different to say you can't talk about gay rights or, you know, homosexuality or potentially gender identity until the 12th grade or all the way through high school. I understand that's more controversial uh, through third grade shouldn't be a controversial at all. I have a third grader. This is absurd. And, and I've got a seventh grader. And I got a sixth grader um, in any event. So he pushes to say, keep, keep your weird leftist agenda out of the classroom. Let let the parents send their kids to class. And if the parents want to educate them about any of that stuff, they can do it at home. It's not for the teacher to try to indoctrinate the kids in sexualities, any any talk about sex. And in response to that issue, they had this discussion on The View. The person who we're going to show you is a woman named Patty Lupone. She is an actress. She was most recently in the Broadway show Company, which I actually went to with my two priest friends. It was super fun. <laughs> and uh, she's on The View promoting her latest project. And here's her reaction to Ron DeSantis in that issue. I don't know what the difference between our Christian right and the Taliban is. I have no idea what the difference is. You're not the only person who's said that. Mm. I don't. I, I just don't know what the difference is. Yeah. What's happening in this country right now in the name of religion is so dangerous. Look at that, Isabel. No pushback by Whoopi. You're not the only one who said that. You know, I'm yeah, thinking it right now in my head is what she's thinking. Yeah, absolutely. It's open encouragement more than a lack of pushback. I actually reacted to this video on my TikTok yesterday and got some fascinating responses from people on the Internet. But it blows my mind that we've come to a time where genuinely we have bought into the level of hyperbolic rhetoric that is allowed on TV, particularly on The View these days. I'm convinced at this point, Megan, that they sit around in the green room right before they record the show every day and ask what the craziest thing they possibly could say on national television could be to remain somewhat relevant in modern mm -hmm. day American life, because otherwise no one would be att paying attention uh, to this show with the subjects that they're talking about. But to compare the Christian right in America today that's suggesting perhaps we should preserve the innocence of children while they are still children. Maybe we should be encouraging a 12-year-old girl to experience puberty before we put her through menopause, through chemical and physical castration. 
perhaps it's important for us to educate our children in mathematics and science and helping them be successful in their adult years rather than crude conversations that are completely inappropriate for public or private schools about how to have anal sex, which was happening in the state of Florida prior to Governor Ron DeSantis's leadership on this issue to the Taliban, which is quite literally removing any semblance of human rights for anyone that does not adhere to the lockstep ideology of a radical terrorist organization, where you as a woman do not have the opportunity to go to school or even to walk outside of your own home without the presence of a male chaperone from within your family is ridiculous to me. And we have to keep counting uh, these opportunities, as many opportunities as we can to discount the lies and the narrative that are being propagated by the American left today. If we don't call this out for what it is, which is propaganda at the very source, we will not have the opportunity to even fight for freedom of speech, which ironically is what Patty so luckily had there on the panel on The View to even utter such a ridiculous statement. Yeah. It's like she hates this country that's given her so much. Right. She can't stand half the country. Um, She's also the woman. I don't know if you guys remember this, but it not at the show that I was at. But and when I was there, it was well post the peak of COVID. But of course, the mask Nazis were everywhere, like, pull up your mask, pull up your mask. And since, you know, my priest buddies, of course, they were compliant. They were sweet. But I was like, anyway. (laughs) Um, so, so it wasn't at our performance, but it made news at another performance. She and the other actors, they stay around afterward. They ask you to donate to certain things. A conversation got going and she absolutely scolded this one audience member over the mask. Watch this. We pulled the clip back up. Put your mask over your nose. That's why you're in the theater. That is the rule. If you don't want to follow the rule, get the fuck out. left is so fun to spend time with, aren't they? Right. Like (laughs) the irony of her screaming that not wearing a mask herself, sitting awfully close to her fellow co-stars. It's just you can't make this stuff up anymore. (laughs) She's a lovely person. I'll be sure never to attend another another show that she is in. She was in. God, what movie was it? She was in. She was younger and she actually was quite good. She said she's not. She's a good actress. She's just a terrible person. So it happens. Um, Have you, Will, like, did you go through this whole nonsense while in college with what we're seeing right now at places like, you know, the San Francisco State University and what we saw at SUNY Albany, where we, you know, saw a a Talking Points uh, friend of the show shouted down last week, um, Ian Hayworth. Actually, was he there via TP? I can't remember. But in any event, we've seen it campus after campus, right? Somebody goes on like O'Reilly Gaines, gets shouted down. They're not allowed to speak, whether it's the judge out in Stanford or Ian at SUNY Albany. Have you experienced any of that? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. My book tour uh, in University of Maryland, I had about 50 protesters come and all say Will Witt is a racist and a liar and all all these kind of things. And, you know, University of Maryland right over by D.C. D.C. is just L.A. for ugly people. So, you know, you kind of have to expect mm-hmm. that that's the case when it happens over there. But, yeah, I did an event at University of Northern Colorado as well, where Black Lives Matter thugs, these animals come and they start flipping tables because I refuse to wear a mask. The school said I had to wear a mask while I spoke. I said, the hell I'm wearing a mask. I'm not wearing a mask. And they came and they destroyed 
avoid the event, threatening kids and children in the audience. I've definitely dealt with these kind of things. But one thing about the the video that you just saw with the lady who is is, is there on stage cursing at this person, telling him to put on a mask, it shows how disconnected the elite of this country, the the higher echelon of people, are with the normal everyday person. Right? It's 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 very reminiscent of the the French Revolution, where you have religion is cast aside, and you have these elites who think that they can do whatever they want, while the people all pay for it. They're in their their chalets and their castles, having these soirees and parties, and eventually these people are going to have to pay the price for the the decadent lifestyle that they are living. And the American people are incredibly fed up. This is why we have this uh, divisive rhetoric right now in this country, because the people are so sick of the elites. This is why you have someone like Donald Trump getting so much fame and 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 uh, notoriety, or not notoriety, but people loving him because he was a populist. This is why you had Bernie Sanders as everyone loved him on the left because he was mm-hmm. a populist as well. So yeah, I'm just very disenfranchised with the elite. And I think there's going to be a reckoning coming very soon with them. And how about the nerve of her to be like, oh, you pay my salary. The producer of the show pays this. Who do you think puts the money in his pack pocket, madam? Exactly. A fundamental understanding of economics might really help you out here. As good as of, of an actor as you are, um, you may have skipped the math section of high school because even I know that one. Um, there are more and more people speaking out, even even at the you know public figure level, which is encouraging on this trans ideology insanity. Uh, Sam Ponder over at ESPN, Sage Steele, who I love, um, found the nerve inside of ESPN, which is as woke as it comes. I mean, that's a Disney company. They mm-hmm. are the wokest of the woke to say this is baloney, what they're doing, what Biden's doing right now, right now with Title IX, which he's trying to amend the Title IX protections, which are meant to protect women, women on college campuses, women's rights, women's sports. He's trying to exp- change those rules that would make all these state bans. There are 20 of them banning men from participating in women's sports. It would basically eviscerate them. It would say those bans are no longer good and you're not allowed to have a ban for K through eight education at all. And maybe for high school and college on a case by case basis, you might be able to. We'd have to review it. So both sides are unhappy. The trans community, Leah Thomas is out there saying there should be no possibility of a ban. Look at me. I'm an example of fairness in sports. Leah Thomas, a man who's crossed over to women's sw- swimming and won all the, wet- the, the medals. That's why Riley's mad. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you have stage seal. You've got Sam Ponder speaking out. And I just I wonder what your reaction is, because it was what? A year and a half, wait, a year, no, about uh, almost a year exactly ago that this same, not Sage and Sam, but this same organization, ESPN, held a moment of silence on the air because of that Florida bill we were just discussing. Look at this. Legislation happening in Florida and across other states as well that are targeting our LGBTQI plus communities. Many of our colleagues here at ESPN have planned and organized a walkout that will be happening at 3 p.m. Eastern today. And to be honest with you, we thought we were going to come here today and really celebrate a sport that has meant so much and done so much, including for so many in the LGBTQI plus communities. But we understand the gravity of this legislation and also how it is affecting so many families across this country. And because of that, our allyship is going to take a front seat. And with that, we're going to pause in solidarity. Oh, my God. Isabel, 
who would I'm watch not surprised. I mean, if you turn on ESPN every morning and see Stephen A. Smith screaming about the latest woke agenda uh, ideology as well, it's the same thing across all of their programming there at ESPN. Uh, you're starting to see reporters speak up and be fired for it or be personally punished in their jobs. But I'm encouraged to see more and more people standing up. I think Will really said it best. The American people have had enough. And you can only push people so far with this type of insanity that isn't based in partisan ideology. It isn't based in what political party you might support or who you voted for in the last election. It is a complete perversion of objective reality and objective truth. I keep asking where the feminists are if we're seriously contemplating replacing women with men in every single aspect of American society, competitive sports, in our bathrooms, for job opportunities, entrance into higher education, and more, and yet they remain silent and or cheer on this type of ideology in that perversion of objective truth. People can only take so much of this insanity you're, before you're we right. say we've had enough. And I think that's we are a good very question. much approaching that reality. That's a good question. Where are the women? And they are starting to find their voices because you know men don't want this. They, men don't want these fake women taking over women's spaces. But there's not a man in the world who's normal who wants to go to bed with Dylan Mulvaney or that freak who I opened the show with threatening to kill us if we if we don't let him into our bathrooms. Not a man on earth who's sane wants to go to bed with that instead of with me or Isabel. Okay, that's just the truth. So men don't want this. They don't want this takeover of women's spaces. And they are, I think, on our side on this. It's just been sort of like a shoulder shrug, like this is a weird group and there's nothing much we can do about it. But I feel like there's been a couple of inflection points, right, Isabel? I feel like it's been um, what happened to Riley Gaines was was big. Dylan Mulvaney mm -hmm. has touched a nerve and not in a good way for Dylan's cause. Um, Leah Thomas is another person who touched a bad nerve. Every American looked at that and said, that is unfair. These mm -hmm. TikTok videos that gain traction are starting to turn the tide on people's opinions. So, you know, I do wonder if we're almost at a before and after moment on this whole conversation. I think we are, but I have to say, Megan, I'm coming from a bit of a place of frustration, having been responding to people like Dylan Mulvaney for over a year now in my personal content. We're talking about somebody who has 10 million followers on TikTok and regularly gains dozens of millions of views on every single one of his videos, encouraging youth to embrace this type of behavior. We're just now starting to pay attention to it because it happened to affect America's favorite beer brand. Although if you were genuinely drinking Bud Light before this, I don't know why you have such horrible taste in alcoholic beverages. Mm -hmm. Take it from Colorado natives, Will and I ourselves, please upgrade to a better beer. But I'm glad <laughs> to see we're finally talking about this as Americans. Why did it take a year, though, of sponsorships from Tampax, from Kate Spade, from other women's companies, Nike, women's apparel and sports bras being modeled by a man being championed on our most popular social media platform in America with over 150 million Americans using the platform daily, 60% of whom are my generation, for us to finally stand up and say we've had enough because of one brand sponsorship. We have been on defense that, for far too long in America when it comes to this assault on objective truth. And unless we're willing to start fighting on offense and replacing these lies with truth, I don't know that we'll have much left to fight for in 2024, in any major presidential election, or as Gen Z continues to come into adulthood. So what is the answer to that, Will? Why, why did it take the Bud Light thing to start changing the conversation? 
Well, obviously, Bud Light is something that men are very into. Men drink beer more than women. It's something that men, like you said, are not too interested in all this trans stuff, this Dylan Mulvaney thing. But it goes even deeper than that, where you have these issues right now, that, which is one of the reasons that I think is very wrong with the conservative movement, is that we are so focused on calling out the left's hypocrisy. We're so focused on having, making sure that all of our facts are always 100% correct and that we think that that is the antidote to beating the left. We think that that is the antidote to winning against this trans ideology. When in fact, the left doesn't care about hypocrisy. They don't care if they're right. Obviously, men and women's sports is completely wrong and it's hypocritical and everything else. But does that stop more and more people from uh, more men from women winning in women's divisions? Does that stop more men from going into women's bathrooms and claiming that they're trans? No. Us calling out the, their hypocrisy doesn't do anything because the left only works on the basis of power. They know that they can get power over people through these ideas and shame them and, and harm them and ostracize them from every inch of society. And so us going out and saying, well, this is hypocritical, you know, the left, they're, they're so dumb. That doesn't do anything for us as a movement. Like Isabel said, we need to be on offense and say, what can we actually do to make sure that these things can never happen? That this ideology, this trans ideology that is infesting our world should be eradicated right? It should not be allowed to fester and get into the minds of children uh, anywhere in America. That is what we have to do. Like Ron DeSantis is doing that's, in Florida that, with Mexico That's what Michael Knowles yes. said that got him in so oh. much trouble at, at um, CPAC, that trans yeah. ideology needs to be eradicated. And that is different from saying trans people, which the left Correct. said yeah. is what he said, and it wasn't what he said. And I don't understand how that's even controversial when you understand the social contagion that is infecting, in particular, teenage girls right now. Mm -hmm. If you can't say there's an ideology there that is catchable. It's contagious and it needs to be stopped. And dis you, if you don't understand how that is distinct from trans people need to be eradicated, that's different, right? It's different. It, though, look, I think we were better off as a country when this was a much smaller problem, when we weren't so open about it and encouraging people to lean into it. It's a very damaged way to be. And I just having seen this in my own life, transitioning in any way, doesn't solve your problems. It tends to create a lot more. I know that's not the messaging from the trans community. They'll tell you exactly the opposite. Spoken to enough detransitioners and others who will tell you a very different story if only they could get access to a microphone. That is most definitely the case. These people have an ideology that they are pushing where they can, again, make up their own facts. They can disregard everything that we say and say, oh, it's all lies. It doesn't matter. Again, if we have the best facts and the best everything, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's like, there's a guy, let's say there's a doctor and he's doing trans surgeries on children, cutting off little boys' penises and turning them into girls. And we say, well, that's stupid. That's horrible. What we should be doing is going and making sure that this doctor's office gets shut down and this guy's license gets revoked so that he can no longer perform these surgeries on children that are evil. That is well, what wait, but so, Will, we're doing for. that. We're doing that more and more, right? You see Ron yes. DeSantis coming out explicitly this week and saying, you cannot turn yep from a man into a woman. That is a lie right. to be able to say that right. you can. You And you have 20 states, as I point out, saying you're banned. If you're a boy, you cannot play in girls sports, period. K through 12, college, it's done. And then you see the Biden administration interfering, saying, no, we're overturning your ban. We're going to change the federal rules and we're going to null it because of federalism. We're, when, the, we're, when the feds legislate, the states are not free to in any particular area. So you are no longer allowed to have those bands. That's what's so frustrating. So you got to play the, a bigger game politically. You got to win at the highest levels in this country. It's not enough to win these state houses. You have to win the presidency. You have to take control of the Senate. And the Republicans who tend to be more aligned with the messaging we're discussing on this show are terrible at politics. 
just yes. terrible. Yes. They don't know. Yeah. They, they're not good at winning well. No, they are not good at winning at all. I can't think of one Republican basically in Congress who I would say is a real winner. I would say Thomas Massey is someone who I, I respect, especially because of his, his raw milk stances and everything, which I'm <laughs> huge support of. But other than that, I mean, look, we're talking about this trans stuff. And then, then you look at the amount of money that candidates are taking, politicians on both sides are taking. You have Bayer Pharmaceuticals that is working hand in hand and Abby V Pharmaceuticals that is working hand in hand with gender groups and, and movies that deal with transgenderism for children, funding these movies are working with them to push transgenderism on kids so that then that money can be or essentially they're making money off these things so that people will go and buy their drugs which are puberty blockers for children that are used to castrate sex offenders right so these the, the maliciousness of these big companies that are working with these trans groups is horrible and then yet you have republicans and democrats in congress and all around this country who are taking money from big pharma these essentially evil companies that are pushing this ideology and making it so that these kids are getting castrated and, and yeah. potentially ruining their lives forever. That is evil. If we don't revamp our political system entirely and the lobbying and everything else, then none of this is going to get changed. It takes real, dedicated leadership with strong conservative values. What is your raw milk thing? What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> this is raw milk. Is this is straight out of the cow's udder. So no pasteurization, no homogenization. How, wait, how do you how get do you, your hands on that? And why is that good? You just go to a cow and you know, you just, you know, get the cow and squirt it right into your mouth. It's great. No, there's a farmer's market I go to for this. And it's, it'll change Why your do you life. Love it? Why are, is this better? Um, well, it's good for your gut health. People who are lactose intolerant drinking, they'll drink pasteurized milk and they will be lactose intolerant. They can't digest it, but you drink raw milk or have raw cheese, raw butter. Most of them can take it. It's uh, like you go to Europe, it's full of raw cheeses and everything like that. But mm, big dairy yes. has been fighting against uh, raw dairy products for for years and years in this country yes it's another big we had a, an expert on thing. plastics on the show and she was talking mm -hmm. about how one of the problems is you know that the automatic milkers which is how they get milk from most cows in most places on earth including in um amsterdam where we went as a family mm -hmm. you know it's going through plastic all that milk is going through plastic as yep. they milk so you know it's, mm -hmm. i so i'm like do i need to get my own cow now but it's much you might, harder I'll, when you're I'll in the split one with you. metropolitan area. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll put it in the apartment. We'll work and we'll, we'll split it halfway. <laughs> By the way, I want to tell you, this time last week on the show, well worth your time, we had the maker and uh, a couple of the stars of Affirmation Generation. It's a movie. If, if you go to affirmationgeneration.com, you will see the movie. And it's so, so worth your time. I had seen the highlights and an outline of it before they came on. Now I've seen the entire thing. I will warn you, you got to go through and you got to pay four bucks um, via one of those services. Okay, like a Venmo. It's Venmo. Do it. Do the four steps necessary. It's just your email. I did it. You can do it. It's four bucks. It's so good. It's horrifying. But what made me think of it, Will, was your point about the drug companies and the money behind this whole push and um, Joey was the person who was the filmmaker and she was on talking about how she said she, she thought she might be trans and she went to a psychiatrist back in the day. She's more my age. Um, and they were like, you're just a butch lesbian. You're fine. You're, you're not a guy. You're just, you know. And so she's behind the film. Anyway, well, well worth your time. Very educational. AffirmationGenerationMovie.com. AffirmationGenerationMovie.com. Check it out. All right. More with Isabel and Will right after this break. Did you hear all the dust-ups about what's happening on planes right now? Should obese people be given a free extra seat? We'll take it up. Attention. 
If you owe the IRS, this is an important announcement. COVID relief is over and the IRS is ramping up like never before, sending out millions of collection letters to start 2024. Do you owe $10,000 or more or have unfiled returns? Now is the time to act. The IRS can garnish your wages, seize your property, and they can even take your home or your business. Don't let the IRS take advantage of you. It's time to call Tax Network USA. Their team of experienced tax lawyers has already saved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients. They know how to negotiate with the IRS and can help you too. Visit TNUSA.com or call 1-800-245-6000. Again, that's 1-800-245-6000. Don't wait until it's too late. Take control of your tax situation today with Tax Network USA. 1-800-245-6000. Call now. You're cruising down the highway. Windows rolled down. Tunes blasting from the radio. You're in the zone and living the dream. Suddenly, your car sputters, coughs, and throws a wrench in your whole day. Tow trucks, repair bills, the dream turns into a nightmare. Don't wait until car trouble steals your peace of mind. Visit CarShield now at carshield.com carlson. For nearly 20 years, CarShield has helped millions of drivers avoid the stress of major repairs. They offer plans covering up to 5,000 parts and systems, from your engine and transmission to electronics and more all for a low monthly rate that fits your budget. CarShield plans also include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, and rental options. Get peace of mind now. Visit CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Join millions of customers and contact CarShield now to save 20%. Visit carshield.com slash carlson. That's carshield.com slash carlson. Visit now. want to tell our audience just an update to the segment we did with Alex Berenson, where we told you about how Mehdi Hassan, this guy in MSNBC, tried to tank Matt Taibbi's career with this gotcha interview over his Twitter files reporting. And then Mehdi was fact-checked after the interview, and it turns out it was improper impeachment, we'd call it in the law. He was trying to get him on things that actually Matt had not made mistakes on. Unfortunately, Matt conceded a couple of the, like, okay, then I guess that was a mistake. But he was wrong, too, because he was right, and Mehdi was being dishonest in his so-called fact checks. Well, now this moron, Representative Stacey Plaskett, we told you about this when we first covered this this uh, cross-examination of Matt when he went before Congress. She's from the Virgin Islands, which, by the way, be quiet. We have more important things, more important people to hear from. Okay, I'm just sorry. The Virgin Islands, what? Take a seat. The, all the beautiful salt air has gone to her head. She is threatening Taibbi with five years in jail alleging he lied in front of Congress uh, with one of these fake false fake news uh, fact checks that Mehdi Hassan tried to do, which turned out to be a Taibbi win, not a Mehdi Hassan win. And now she's threatening him, according to Lee Fong's reporting. Uh, Stacey Plaskett is um, floating a threat of five years in jail against Matt Taibbi. I mean, this is where we are. This is the state of American politics. We have morons running the country. Um, Back to you guys. (laughs) So, so speaking of morons running the country, let's go down to Nashville, Tennessee, and the so-called Tennessee Three. Um, their antics continue, right? These two of the three were thrown out of the Tennessee State House after they hijacked the proceedings. We're very mad that their gun agenda, anti-gun agenda, did not get passed. They had their fair chance to debate. They didn't win the debate. Then they threw a tantrum and acted like protesters and brought you know bullhorns out onto the floor and so on. Got ejected, got put back in, and now. They've decided the next move would be 
to um, show up. One of them, Justin Jones, he's the one we told our audience about who has the criminal history. So nice, nice, nice new congressman, Tennesseans, um, who decided to show up at, the, at his next debate at the Tennessee House with a baby casket, the casket of a little baby. This is this man has not left led a life consistent with law and order. And now he wants to go in to the Tennessee State House as a representative and try to lecture them on how law and order requires a crackdown on guns or we're going to have more caskets filled, filled with babies. I can't even get into how inappropriate this is. But this guy continues to be lionized by the press, uh, including he's been invited to go to the White House. The Tennessee three now invited to go sit with Joe Biden, a courtesy not extended, Isabel, to the families of the victims in that Christian school who were gunned down. You know, I think it's interesting to hear so many people talk about these tactics and antics that are being used by the Tennessee Three all the way up to this baby casket, which is, I'm sure, very emotionally compelling uh, and maybe something that right of center politicians should start utilizing on issues like too early gender transition, making children more likely to commit suicide or the abortion industry if we really want to play that game. But when we're talking about this game of politics, uh, we said it earlier in the previous segment so well, it's not enough anymore to just have the facts on your side. It's not enough anymore to just be objectively right, because the unfortunate reality of where we live today in 2023 America is that we live in a post-truth society. It doesn't matter what the facts of this shooting or biological gender or science at large really are. Uh, today in 2023, we can apply this to any subject and policy matter under the sun. What matters is how you can get people to feel about it. I think we as conservatives mm. for so long have treated this facts don't care about your feelings mantra, which has been overwhelmingly successful as liquid gold, right? We use this as a tool to change so many people's minds and lifestyles. But for Generation Z, which is who is supporting this Tennessee Three and all of these other policies that we're talking about today, we are a feelings generation. What you're starting to see manipulated through conversations about school shootings, gun control, gender identity, abortion, and everything in between is getting people to act based on their emotions. If they really care about keeping kids safe, then we must outlaw all guns. If you really care about any other policy, then you must align with the left. I think it's high time that the morons running this country, as you so eloquently stated, Megan, start playing that game from a truthful perspective. If we really care about kids, why would we not want to arm our schools with armed police officers to keep them safe the way we do our politicians, our celebrities, our BLM activists and more and start applying this to every area of policy uh, across the board? Because we can no longer play a facts game in this feelings world and still expect to win that larger game of changing culture and politics. It reminds me of uh, over the spring break, I guess it was. I might I put I gave my kids a crime marathon in movies, <laughs> just like my, some of my old favorites from when I was closer to your age. And we watched. Uh, oh, God. Sleeping with the enemy with Julia Roberts. Good. Really good. We watched Malice <laughs> with Alec Baldwin. He was good in that. Um, and uh, Nicole Kidman. And there was a scene in that movie Malice where this uh, woman, Anne Bancroft is the actress's name, says to this other character, get into the game. That's what you're saying. Get it. Stop complaining about the rules. Like get into the damn game and learn how to play dirty or you're just going to keep losing to the point we made before the break. Um, I will say this, Will, on the subject of the White House and its behavior, the, thank, thankfully, the, it must have been Peter Ducey asked her anything 
about Joe Biden inviting the victims of the dead children uh, to come to the White House and not just these showboats who have behaved inappropriately. And here's how that went. So Monday, you're going to have three of the lawmakers who protested after peacefully protested, who peacefully protested after the Nashville Covenant School shooting. Have any of the victims or the victims' families been invited to the White House? I don't have anything to, to read out to you about any invite. Why? I just don't have anything at this time to read out to you at any invite. What I can say to you right now is that the president is focused on getting things done. Oh, my God. Well, feel better? Getting things. No, I feel much worse, actually. And knowing that this, these are the people who's whose hands my country is in. I feel terrible every day waking Have up and milk. seeing that. But I yeah, you well, need some I'll milk. Cheer, cheers to that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's a, a Jeremiah 12, one, I believe, which is why does the way of the wicked prosper? This is what our society is nowadays. You have Black Lives Matter being nominated for a Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize. Dr. Anthony Fauci getting a National Geographic documentary of Megan the Stallion winning a Grammy for what was it? Thought shit was the, the, the name of the song. What are, like the people who are doing the worst things in America today seem to be the ones who get elevated to the highest of statuses in this country because we are a, a post virtue society. As Isabel said, a post truth society. We're also a post virtue society where virtue is seen as wrong and immoral acts are seen as the most beautiful things that you can have. It's, uh, it's anti establishment. It's going against the counter conservative culture, all this. And so we are in a, a, a real deficit of values, a real deficit of, of morals right now. And the people who really want to take advantage of us are seen as heroes. And I hope that the American people can wake up to the deception that we are with, withholding or seeing right now in this country. I, I need some of that milk too, Abby. You got to get me some of that. I got to, I got to see. Yeah, yeah, we need to get count. on it. Need, Change you your please life. Get on it. Um, here is, you know, it's not, it's not unrelated. Uh, it's because it's related to the victim mentality, the nonstop victim mentality, right? Like it's you disrupt the proceedings down in Tennessee. You have your say, but you don't win. And then you hijack the whole proceedings and you're the victim because you get held to account because they say you're out. You're out of here. You're ejected. Um, oh, no, you're a victim. And then you will be lionized and then you go back and pull another stunt. Um, that leads me to the airplane debate. It, it really is interesting to me. So a very obese woman who is an influencer, uh, her name is Jalen Cheney, is making the argument for a change in the FAA rules, saying that if you are obese and you can't easily and comfortably fit into one seat on the airplane, the airline should be required to provide you with a second seat for free, quote, air quotes, free, because there's no such thing. It, it, we're going to pay for it. It's, somebody pays for it. It's always the other customers. Um, and there's an online debate that's fierce about this saying, well, the airline seats are too small and, you know, you buy a seat and it can't accommodate you. What are they supposed to? What are these obese people supposed to do? Forty percent of Americans are obese. That's our country. What do you make of it? Isabel? You know, this debate continues to just shock and amaze me with each and every day how far we're willing to move the goalposts of what health looks like in society. My educational background is in biomedical sciences. I was pre-med through college and then studied uh, essentially science policy at Georgetown University for my master's degree, where I was uninvited from speaking today because I'm too controversial as an alum. So had to Ugh. had to make sure that got noticed. And that's what my tuition dollars went for. But 
you know, this obesity conversation and the body positive movement conversation is glossing every single magazine cover of what it means to be healthy for women. It's all over our TikTok for you pages for women, but we're not seeing the same conversation happening for men in terms of glorifying obesity, removing any sort of beauty standard or health standard. And I continue to see this continue to go around and around and around in the feminist argument uh, space online where people are debating whether or not it is healthy to be obese, whether or not it is beautiful to be obese and how much our, our society needs to accommodate for that to the point that our own government has now moved the bench posts and the, the goalposts of what it means to be obese as a child. We've changed the BMI definition of what obesity is to accommodate for the fact that Generation Alpha, who comes after us, is so morbidly obese, that's now normal, so it's healthy. This is ridiculous to even remotely suggest that the FAA should provide two seats, but it's a larger conversation about the lack of overall accountability for self in this country. To take care of ourselves means to be healthy, to eat well, to exercise, to take accountability over our own lives, which will inevitably inspire us to do the same for our communities and country at large. But we've created this upside down culture to rely on the government and society first, our community next, then our family, then ourselves. And you're starting to see the deprecation of self-value physically manifesting through obesity, obviously, but also through the lack of mental health in this country in the midst of record levels of anxiety, depression, suicidation, the lack of objective truth. Just last night at the University of New Hampshire giving a speech, I was told by a college student that she wouldn't have minded if she was aborted because she had such little value and regard for herself. So I think this is a much larger conversation about instilling human value and virtue back into the individual in America today. And hopefully we'll see a much greater return on investment in that in society. It's really crazy. Like, I mean, well, it reminds me of the the dust up like a I don't know, in the past five days where that it was, I wrote down Toronto Blue Jays pitcher, uh, Anthony Bass. I don't follow sports, but he was on an airplane and he was bitching because his wife had been, he wasn't there, but his wife was on the airplane who was 22 weeks pregnant. And she was traveling with a five-year-old and a two-year-old, their children. And, and he was mad that the stewardess, the flight attendant, told his wife to clean up the popcorn that the children had spilled all over the place. He's like, my 22-week-old, week-month pregnant uh, wife had to get down on her hands and knees and clean up the popcorn. Yes, that's right. Or you make your kids do it like any other normal parent. But this sense of entitlement, like I deserve a free seat. I deserve a servant to clean up after my children. Why not for me? Yeah, well, everybody wants everything for free. They want to just get everything and not have to work for it. We live in, a again, all these post things, but we live in a post work generation nowadays, too, in America, where people think that they deserve something without having to work for it. It's incredibly sad because this country was built on the back of people who knew what hard work meant. They knew what tenacity meant. They knew that if you wanted something in your life, you would go out and get it. I mean, you have, what was the poll? It said like 92% of young people in this country say that they want to be YouTubers when they grow up. They want oh, some God. easy job where they can be famous and, and just have their name plastered all over and have a ton of Instagram likes. Like those are the things that, that young people value. If that's what young people value, then why would you expect them to value any sort of hard work or dedication or passion to something? It's just it's, not going to happen. So, so yeah, you need to value Get hard work down, in this country. Clean up your child's mess. Better yet, make them do it. And I realize obesity is a massive challenge for a lot of people, but we live with it, you know, accordingly. We, we all live with the consequences of our own choices. It's not the FAA's or anybody else's responsibility to help you out on that. Sorry. Isabel and Will, what a pleasure. I hope to see you again. Thanks Thank for you having so us. much. All right, guys. And don't, don't forget, tomorrow we have Neil Ferguson on the show. I'm really looking forward. You may know him as Ayan Hirsi Ali's husband, but he's brilliant. And you'll get to know him personally tomorrow. 
Thanks for listening to The Megyn Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear.